First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. She punches the air and she crosses that blue finish line. The world champion of 12 months ago who finished second here last time around has won it. The Athletes Village is not a place for fighting. I've never heard that ever in Olympic and Paralympic history. This is Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic podcast covering the Games all the time rather than once every four years. I'm John. And I'm Michael. And this is a special episode with British rowing as we look ahead to the World Championships in Belgrade, which begin on the 3rd of September. Currently, our aim is to go into this championships and qualify the boat for the Olympics. That's kind of like the underlying thing we're really trying to nail. As always, you can get in touch with us on social media. You can find us on anything but F on X. We're also on Facebook, Insta and Threads. And find out more about us and the work we do or send us a message. Please visit our website, anythingbutfooty.com. 62 athletes will be representing Great Britain in Serbia. British rowing are enjoying a good season after topping the medal table at the European Championships and winning the overall World Cup trophy. Many of the team will be looking to defend world titles won in 2022. They include Emily Craig and Imogen Grant in the lightweight women's double skulls, as well as the women's four and the men's eight. And in power rowing, the mixed coxed four are unbeaten this season and aiming to retain the gold medal they won last year. We'll hear from members of that crew. Hello, my name is Morgan Feistnoise and I'm in the PR3 Mixed Cox 4. I'm Frankie Allen and I'm also in the PR3 Mixed Cox 4. But let's start with the men's four. They won the world title in 2022 and will be looking to continue Great Britain's proud tradition in this boat. Michael's been speaking to two of the crew. Hi, my name is Ollie Brooks and I'm in the men's four. I'm David Ambler and I'm also in the men's four. David, I'll start with you. As British sport fans, fans of the Olympics, fans of rowing, we have a love affair, don't we, with the men's four? And it's a love affair that's endured for decades now. Yeah, there's definitely a kind of a strong history to the event. Um, and obviously kind of some big names that have come, come through the sport and particularly this, this event and the four, um, which is definitely kind of fun, fun to be a part of for sure. We definitely enjoy, enjoy that. We've all worked so hard sort of 
to get here um, through like various different paths to actually get into sort of an Olympic class boat ahead of the a year ahead of the Olympics is pretty special and we're hoping to do well at this world championships and um, hopefully try and like keep that up for next year but we'll have a bunch of trials next year as well so it's we've got to do well this year and then try and hold on to it next year sort of thing yeah David talk us through that process if you like because obviously there's qualifying the boat but that doesn't necessarily mean that we'll see you marching in the opening ceremony or sailing on the River Seine in the opening ceremony in Paris. There's two parts of that process. Talk us through it. Yeah, absolutely. So the first uh, first kind of step is the World Championships. I think the top seven boats in our event will qualify directly for the Olympics. Um, I think there is some provision for our event to then qualify a few additional boats at the last chance regatta next year. Um, but kind of currently our aim is to go into this championships and qualify the boat for the Olympics. That's kind of like the underlying thing we're really trying to nail. Uh, and then, yeah, it kind of almost resets a little bit after that for next season, um, for the Olympics. Um, obviously kind of, we want to be in the boat now and, and race, but then you've kind of got to prove yourself all over again next year. The team is incredibly strong. There's serious depth in it. And so, um, there'll be a whole another round of testing early next season to ensure that they're selecting the fastest boats possible. So yeah, you've kind of got that first project almost, which is just qualifying the boat and performing as well as you can at Worlds and then, and booming towards next year. Then yeah, you've got selection to worry about again. Um, but I think at the moment that's kind of back of our minds as we focus on, focus on Worlds for now. And Ollie, obviously, this season's been a good one for you guys, unbeaten this season. Talk us through then the campaign to date ahead of these World Championships, how you've been feeling. Um, so since the last race we did in Lucerne, we've been on two training camps. Um, the first one we went to Silvretta in Austria, which is an altitude training camp. Um, and that's like big, long mileage at altitude. Um, and that was a pretty, pretty hard camp. Um, a lot of people were getting real tired but it's super good training um and really sort of helps build a sort of aerobic base like coming into the world and then after that we came back for a day and then went straight off to Portugal for another two-week camp uh really hot temperatures but that one's more of a taper camp so um starting to freshen up um more intensity less mileage and yeah I think it's, it's been going well for us um it's not always the straight line in terms of like always getting better but I think over the process of the two counts we've really started to sort of like ramp up and uh, I think the boat's feeling pretty good ahead of the world championships now before we travel. And David take, take us back because a, a year ago you went as a spare but ended up with with the gold medal what happened? Yeah it was definitely a kind of a, a bit of an unexpected turn going to going to the world in uh the as a spare um, and then yeah unfortunately one of the guys in the four um, I think on the morning of the first race of the heat, uh, tested positive with COVID and then given the protocols in place at the time with the isolation requirements, um, he had to isolate, couldn't train, couldn't race. And so, yeah, kind of at the last moment I had to hop in, um, and just kind of try to do my best and fit into his, fit into his crew and sit in his seat. And yeah, did, did the kind of racing that, that week, which was, yeah, unexpected to say the least. Um, and kind of just relieved to have gotten through that and, you know, not, I guess, halted what for them was a really stellar season. They won such a strong upward trajectory. So it's just kind of 
hop in and try disrupt things as little as possible. Now I get to race with him, which is nice because I think you wouldn't wish that on anyone such a horrible experience to spend the whole year training and then get ill literally on the day of your first race. And so it's, re- it's really nice to be able to actually race with him now. And he sits in front of me in the boat um, and he's an incredibly talented oarsman. So to sit behind him is really nice. Um, I think I kind of a much better situation than filling in for him. Yeah, you're talking about Matt Aldridge. Obviously, Freddie Davison is the other uh, member of your crew this time. Ollie, I know that you're kind of at the start, if you like, of your elite sporting career, but been reading a little bit about you and you've got an eye on what happens after your competitive rowing career. And engineering is something that you'll be hoping um, to make a bit of a splash in. So let me ask you this question. In the men's four, as an engineer... Yeah. Is it very technical and is it all about the details or is it just that brute force and strength to get 2,000 metres up the course? Well, like anything in engineering, it's all about compromise. So you've got to have a bit of the, bit of the two. Um, in, in rowing, you're trying to sort of bring four people together um, and try and become more than greater than some of your parts. Um, so that is kind of the technical side. Um, but then there's also like a, an output side in terms of you do need to get the work on as well as rowing well. So I'd say it's, uh, it's 50 50 in, in that sort of sense. You, you've got to do both. Um, if you do one, but not the other, it's probably not going to go too well. So both is my answer. <laughs> and David, you all have sort of individual characters in the boat. I mean, what would you describe Ollie as? What does he bring to the party? That engineering, that brute force, but where, where does he fit in? Ollie is, well, he's the best of both, I'd say. He's, uh, he is the strongest in the crew physically. Um, but he's also the guy with the toe. So he's, um, got the steering wires attached to his foot. So he's got to steer the boat down the course because surprisingly they actually don't go very straight. They are, it's trying to twist and turn a little bit as we kind of try and row identical to each other, but you're never quite on it. So he's both got kind of the biggest numbers in the boat, but he's also providing providing us with like a straight line to the core or, or along the course um, and sitting in the bows, it's quite a technical position. So he's kind of there doing that fine balancing act between the two. Um, but he's a good man to have in your boat and sitting behind me, I know he's kind of ending himself to get us in front, which is nice. Um, good guy to have in the boat. Yeah, I think we saw, didn't we, at the last Olympics, some of the issues with, with steering and one of the, the British crews that nearly went into uh, someone else's lane. You know what's coming now, Ollie, don't you? I'm going to ask you what yeah. what David brings to the party, and he's just <laughs> been very effusive in his praise for you. So your turn. Yeah, I've got, I've got to really step up my game here. Um, <laughs> you could hammer him if you want. <laughs> uh, well, David's the calls man. He's the leader of our crew, um, so he's the one that's talking to us as we're going down. He's kind of our coach during training, but also um, the taskmaster when it comes to the race. So. He's calling the shots when it comes to tactics in the race. Um, he's getting us going, making sure we're working hard enough and rowing well enough. So, um, also really strong. He doesn't like to say it, but you know, he's, he's one of the strong boys of the crew. Um, and we're there sort of trying to fill in and make the sort of back up the stern pair in the bow pair. So stern pair are like setting it up and we've got to jump in there together. Um, Amber's, the guy that talks, I, I'm, I personally don't talk. I'm too busy thinking of that, <laughs> about how to row. I, yeah, I would struggle to talk whilst rowing, whereas Amber's like able to do it really well. So 
Um, you need someone with a clear head in the thick of the moment to to take up that role. And Amber does a really good job of that. So that was nice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm delighted that you've been able to talk to me today, um, even if you don't talk when you're actually racing, because you've both provided a real fascinating insight into what's to come at the World Championship. So we wish you both uh, and the other guys, of course, all the very best and uh, hope to catch up on that road to Paris shortly as well. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers, Michael. David Ambler and Ollie Wilkes of the Men's Four. This is Anything But Footy, and ahead of the World Rowing Championships, we're hearing from British Rowing on how they've been preparing. In June this year, the Mixed Cox Four crew of Frankie Allen, Morgan Weiss-Noyes, Gierdoras Kuskate and Ed Fuller, together with their Cox Aaron Kennedy, posted the world's best time at the World Cup event in Varese. It set them up perfectly for the World Championships, as Michael found out when speaking to Morgan and Frankie. I'm feeling pretty confident. I think um, we've had a really good season um, leading up to the World Champs. Like we've had, so far we've had the World Cup and European Championships and both went well. We set a new world record in um, World Cup World Cup 1, which was in Varese, um, which was really good. And we've just come off, well, almost coming off at the back of about six weeks on camp. Um, so we've had a really solid training block and yeah, so I think we're sort of building on each race and yeah, I'm feeling pretty confident going into the world championships next week. Yeah, unbeaten this season. We hear this word confidence in sport quite a lot, Morgan, but take us inside. What does being unbeaten mean? What does it bring to the team then when you go out on the water? It definitely brings a bit of pressure onto the boat, but then it's also having that in your mind that we are like the the best and want to like want to keep it that way i guess when when you're on a training camp you have you have that time and like because so we've been away in Varese in italy and because we're all staying in a hotel and we're having food cooked for ourselves like basically our priority is recovery and then just training hard and then i guess once you get out to the championships and you've got that week before racing it's almost like all your training, like the hard work and training's done, but you've just got to like keep on top of it and prioritise yourself and your recovery so that you're in the best shape possible for the race, but actually all the hard work and like physiological changes that would happen on camp have already happened. And this is a fairly new cohort that we're seeing coming through with, with British rowing at the moment as we head to the next Olympics and Paralympics. So for people that don't know, Morgan, how did you get into the sport? Um, I started off playing rugby uh, when I was young and my eyesight started deteriorating. Um, so I thought to myself, I want to continue doing sport. Um, so I was just looking around, gave road a go and just sort of uh, liked what I was doing and just got in it uh, through there, really. Well, I actually started rowing when I was 13, I want to say, at school. Um, but I didn't realise, so I, I was born with a condition called Herb's palsy, um, which was from a birth injury, but I didn't actually realise that I could classify just until I got, it was weird that like my uncle was speaking to someone, um, and it just came up in conversation. They said, oh, why don't you come and try out? And that's sort of what got me into the parasite, but I, I rode a bit at school as well. And you've rode as a pair, and obviously you go into the world champion ship as a the mix cox four do you have any preference is it is it easier when there's there's four of you in the cox or how does that compare probably so probably easier in the four yeah a bit more power and legs in there even though it can't be heavy with an extra person in the boat because we've got erin our cox and she's just lying in the bowels we've got more weight 
um to like shift along but because there's more people in the boat it's it's more stable than being in a smaller boat so I guess it's easier to make those like technical changes and just before we wrap up I mean Morgan obviously we are looking forward to the Paralympics I think it was a at the time of recording it's a year yesterday until the start of the the Paralympics I'm sure you'll be very aware of that have you got that Paralympic final date kind of circled in your calendar or do you need to get there and qualify and get through these world championships first yeah definitely get there and qual- get the worlds smash it and qualify for next year and frankie that has to be the ambition then as we go to these world championships is to to come back with the gold after the season you guys have had yeah i think definitely that is that is the aim um and i think we'll just go out and do our best and we've we've got the confidence that we've had a good block of training leading into it so i think as long as we do do our best, then that's that's all we can do. But it's the top six we have to come in to qualify the boat for the Games next year. And then when we go into next season, it only qualifies the boat and not the people. So we've then got to go through the trialling process to sort of get back in the boat again, which, yeah, so that will be the aim next season. This is Anything But Footy, and we're talking British rowing. And still to come, we'll speak to Morgan Feisnoy and Frankie Allen from the Mixed Cox Four and hear how something Lola Anderson wrote in her diary after watching the rowing at London 2012 has an extra special meaning more than a decade later. It was my dream to go to the Olympics one day, even though I was quite shy about it then. So I ripped the page out, threw it away in the bin because I was so embarrassed by it. And then... My dad, just before he passed away, like gave that page back to me, which I'd completely forgotten about. But he hadn't, and he'd held on to it. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is anything but footy. As we've been hearing, these world championships are a crucial part of the process heading to next summer's Olympic and Paralympic Games. In Tokyo, the women's quadruple skulls failed to make the final. But with a new crew this year, they'll be looking to build on their two World Cup silver medals this season. Hello, I'm Georgie Brayshaw. I'm in the women's quad. Hi, my name's Lola Anderson and I am also in the women's quad. Lola, I'll start with you. How are you feeling as uh, we are a few days away now from these World Championships? I feel good. Uh, it's kind of a weird feeling, uh, sometimes a bit surreal to think about. because So we've all been training and rowing quite a few years and at some point... We've all looked at the senior world championships and like qualifying for the Olympics as like a bit of a distant, far off dream. Um, so to be here and to be here and feel like fairly comfortable right now because of all of the hard work and training we've done is, is, is quite like, I guess, humbling looking back on it all. It's been, it's been quite a long journey. So it's, it's nice just to be here right now. And Georgie, when we look ahead to this event, what's most important for you? Is it that qualification part? towards the Olympics or is it being on the podium and and having that world medal in your pocket that no one can take away from you? Um, I suppose both. Um, Ultimately, we are going for the medals and if we're going for the medals, then we are going to qualify as well. Um, So for me personally, yeah, like we want to qualify. Obviously, that is our main job. But I think the medals is where we're really aiming and that's where we should be. And um, 
like that's what we're targeting really and there's been quite a is it right to say maybe a culture change uh, British rowing over the past few years lots of things have, have changed for you guys can you tell us what sort of has has happened since the last Olympics that's got British rowing into the position it's in now so neither of us were actually in the team present for the last Olympics um so I guess actually from our perspective coming in uh we were sort of in a transition period where we were sandwiched in between um part of the old training program and the cultures and the values that were with that and then trans like sort of transitioning again yet yeah, into this new sort of style of training that we've got from our new head coach Andy and I guess just uh something new from the outside that he brought in was he was really attentive to the language and the words we chose to use to sort of mark out what we wanted our training to look like in everyday values that we could take through and forwards into racing. So um, I don't know what the culture was specifically like before, but I know that we've worked very hard to try and shape our culture very deliberately today into something that we can be proud of as a team. And that's Andrew Randall, who's obviously your coach that you referenced there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also made some some practical changes in terms of where you train and, and how you train. What can you tell us about those, Georgie? Um, so he really likes coming from Australia, where I think they have very long pieces of water. He's not the biggest fan of Caversham, so we quite often go out to uh, the river at Long Ridge, where it's a 5k stretch, so we can just do 5k continuously without stopping, and then your heart rate comes, if you do 2k, you stop every 2k, obviously, and your heart rate comes down, so when we go to the river, our heart rate's going to stay up for longer, and so ultimately that's better for our fitness, and so quite often we go to Long Ridge during the winter, uh, but then having a 2k lake, obviously we race on a 2k lake, so that's great practice for us, so we have a bit of best, best of both, really, and um, if we want to work on our fitness, we can go elsewhere. But if we want the practice on a 2K lake, then we've got the perfect setup here. Um, so, yeah, just kind of between the two, it's really good. And that 5K stretch that you've been training on, I mean, how tough is that? I mean, we know that, that training to be part of British rowing is very tough anyway. But but then to have that, that difference, that 5K stretch, how tough is that for you? Yeah, it's quite tough because sometimes when you're a 2k lake, it's a little nice when you, it's quite nice when you stop at the 2k and have a drink. Um, on a 5k river, it is harder and obviously you've got steering and things to consider as well on the, the river, uh, which adds another element. Um, but you can definitely feel the fitness is getting better every time you do it. And I can see the, like, why he wants us to do that. Um, I think it is good. I'd say part of that also comes from the fact that, as you say, like, because we don't stop and start as much. Most juniors and most rowers in this country will learn on a river first, so they will be experienced with like long distance rowing. But what the change Andrew's brought in, which is more the, I think like the bigger factor in that is that we do a lot more intensity. And so instead of doing a 5k UT2 loop and then taking a break and going, it's now all at intensity, which is like the element to it, which I think actually really made the difference for us. Lola, do you, do you love what you do or when you're on that 5k lake, can that be a pretty miserable existence sometimes? Be honest. <laughs> no, I actually really do. And I think that's going to make me sound really, um, uh, really keen. <laughs> and George is looking at me like, what? Really? <laughs> um, but I, I really do love rowing. Um, I started rowing because it was sort of like, something that was talked about and spoken about in my family. And at first I just really liked having that connection with my siblings and my my dad who used to row. And then as I've grown up and I've sort of started to see the sport as more my own and not just like a shared family sort of 
thing. I really enjoyed the independence it gave me as sport came along. And now I just find it really relaxing, even when we are just going up and down, smashing around at a high rate or whatever it is. Like there's something about it that makes me feel like quite at peace with myself. So yeah, I'm going to get dragged for that later. Being <laughs> really keen, but I do really like it. Georgie, is she telling the truth? What about you? Um, yeah, I think that is Lola's dream. <laughs> I do, <laughs> I do love rowing, but I just love it in the fact. So I came to rowing later in life. Um, and, and earlier in my life when I was 15, I had quite a, a severe accident. And so for me now, it's almost proving people wrong that I can do it. And I just love pushing my body to the max and just seeing how far I can push it. So I love rowing, but, um, I think I just love it because I just love almost proving people wrong that I can do things um, and I can, you know, do it really well. Um, and, I, yeah, I just love seeing how far I can push my body and just showing people that I've, you know, got a bit of an edge and um, how far we can go. And, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I like the training side. Just finally, you both mentioned a little bit there about adversity, whether that was loss of a parent, whether that was serious injury that you've had. What does it mean to you then? to represent your country when you look at that journey that you've both been on? Um, for me, I'm just really proud. And um, sometimes I have to pinch myself at the moment and just think, wow, I'm going to an Olympic. What, like, who'd have thought it? Like that girl at high school that was really shy, at uni that was really shy, um, you know, was very quiet and, and not particularly sporty. Like I was really into horses and things. To then, like, sometimes I really do have to pinch myself and, be like wow this is amazing what I'm doing and it is really cool and yeah I'm just proud just really proud of myself and of the team and who I've become as a person and through sport. Lola? The emotions I feel are kind of torn between uh yeah the pride that I feel in myself for for doing it and then the pride that I feel um knowing that I've done it not for anyone but yeah, a little bit like in memory of, of my, of my dad. He was always hugely supportive, as was my mum. But as I mentioned, my dad was the one that rode to begin with. And like from a young age, he noticed very early on, like how keen I was. I had, um, written in my diary, like quite a few times when I was watching the London 2012 Olympics. Like it was my dream to go to the Olympics one day, even though I was quite shy about it then. So I ripped the page out, threw it away in the bin because I was so embarrassed by it. Um, and then my dad, just before he passed away, like gave that page back to me, which I'd completely forgotten about, but he hadn't, and he'd held on to it for what, like the best part of eight years. Cause he believed that someday I would do it. And he wanted to be able to give it back to me one day as that sort of like proof in the self-belief I had in myself then. So for me, like it's a full circle experience of I'm doing it for myself, but it also makes me, uh, extremely emotional like thinking about the support that your loved ones and your parents and your friends give you from day one that you might you know you might not recognize it's been there all along georgie brayshaw and lola anderson part of the women's quadruple skulls crew who'll be rowing alongside hannah scott and lauren henry the world championships in belgrade take place between the 3rd and 10th of september you've been listening to anything but footy good luck to all at british rowing Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.